Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and I'll begin to read in verse 5. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, the Bible reads, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Lord, I, wanna, I just want to thank you, Lord, for the privilege of standing in this pulpit. Lord, we do pray for traveling mercies for Brother Steve and his family. Lord, we pray, Father, that you would open our hearts to this truth today. I pray, Lord, that only truth will be spoken. Thank you, Father, for the opening our minds and, and our hearts, Lord, to salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the daily provision you give us. And so now, Lord, we just ask, Father, that you bless us today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The passage I just read to you is known by theologians as the Carmen Christi. It is, a, it is called the hymn uh, to Christ as God. And some modern translations might even set it off in, in poetic form in, in your Bible. You might have it set off uh, because of this. They believe this was an early hymn of the church. And they believe Paul is quoting this early hymn. Now, there are those who want to deny the deity of Christ, and they actually translate this passage quite differently. In fact, the, uh, the today's English translation reads like this. He always had the very nature of God, but did not think that by force he should try to become equal with God. That's very different than what I just read you. And of course, the New World Translation from the Jehovah Witnesses reads, Who, although he was existing in God's form, gave no consideration to the seizure, namely that he should be equal to God. Very different. Very different than what we're used to reading but I believe that Paul did not break out into this testimony of greatness without a reason. And, and, and what we're going to do is we're going to put this passage in context. And we're going to see that this passage screams the deity of Christ. As a matter of fact, the, the words before this, this passage I just read and the words afterwards scream the deity of Christ. So let's look at verse 1. 
Verse 1, uh, by the way, if I'm reading in the ESV, so it might read a little different in your Bible. So he says in verse 1, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. This is a, actually a rhetorical question. Uh, well, it's not a question, but this is, this is rhetoric. This is... He's not actually questioning whether there is encouragement in Christ or comfort in, uh, or any comfort from love or any participation in the Spirit or any affection or sympathy. This probably could be translated since there is encouragement in Christ, comfort of love, any participation in the Spirit, or any affection or sympathy. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, bet, I bet if we opened... Uh, this up to a public discussion, which I'm not doing. Uh, but if we did, I bet each one of you could tell me the encouragement you have found in Christ, the comfort in love and the participation in the spirit and the affection and the sympathy. I bet you could tell me that. I can tell you that I have numerous examples. I know, uh, I, I think of the time that my, my son was in my wife's womb and at six months he decided Actually, before six months, he decided he was going to cause trouble and send us to the hospital. And my wife ended up being put in the hospital, and they ran some tests. And I remember the doctor coming to us, and he was white as a sheet. I could tell there was something very wrong, and he just basically said, you, you're about to have this baby, uh, and this is too early. This is not a good thing. You need to prepare yourself. And to make a long story short, he said we needed three weeks, and we prayed. We had uh, brothers and sisters in Christ praying. And to make a long story short, we got three weeks. He came. He was six. He was three months early. He was born. He stayed two months in the NIC unit. And uh, that will really up in your life. Uh, we already had a, a young child, our daughter, who was two years old, two and a half years old at that point, and um, I don't know what I've done, would have done without the church, because we were having to go up to the NIC unit and stay there. I had to go to work. We had to look after her, and one of our sisters in Christ, whom we call Grammy Carla, uh, just a sweet soul, just came and said, I'll take your daughter. I'll take Jenny. You don't need to worry about her, and she just stayed with her for weeks. And then somebody else walked to us up, walked up to us in church and just handed us a wad of money, said, you're not going to be able to cook, so why don't you just eat out while you're going through this? Yes, is there comfort in encouragement in Christ and comfort in love? Absolutely. Absolutely. So Paul is just reminding you, look, if, if there's any of this, then he says this in the next verse, complete my joy if you if you've benefited at all and you have if you're in christ complete my joy how by being of the same mind having the same love being in one in full accord of one mind so that's how you that's how his joy would be complete is by by the brothers and sisters in christ having the same mind having the same love what love is that that's the love that we're commanded to give the love people love love our brothers and sisters the way jesus loved us right being in full accord in one mind be unified 
is what he's saying. And then he kind of clarifies it. He gives an example. Do nothing from selfish ambition. And when I read this, I think of the previous chapter where Paul is in prison. And he's in prison because he's a Christian. He's in, he has gone through living, I mean, he's just gone through it. He, he, he's been run out of town. He's been thrown in jail unjustly. He's been lied about. He's been, uh, people are talking about him. They're, they just, they, they hate him. They hate him. They hate him. And Paul didn't let that stop him. He ended up, in fact, on, on, he, he's in prison and he's on his way to Rome. He's shipwrecked. He's bit by a snake. This man, this man has been through it and that didn't stop him. When he was in prison, he just kept preaching the gospel. We see at the end of this book that people in Caesar's household are getting saved because Paul, Paul accepted that God knew right where he was. He accepted this. And when I see, uh, uh, and I, I, I told you, when, when he says do nothing from selfish ambition, while he was in prison in Rome, there were those that were preaching Christ, but they were doing it out of strife and envy. They were envious of Paul, and they were, they were talking bad about him. That's what I think of. But he says here, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. This is, don't, don't do this. Whatever you do, don't do it because you're an ambitious person. But in humility, count others more significant. In humility, count others more significant. Your other brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he says this, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So he's not saying you can't look after uh, your own interests, but he's saying take care about your brothers and sisters in Christ. Care about them. This is the key. This right here, that, this is the key, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. This is the key to this context. We live in a diverse Christian church. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, we see that there's neither Jew nor Greek. It isn't about what you look like, where you come from. It's neither slave nor free. It isn't about how much money you got or what position you have. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is the goal. A unified body of Christ. And what Paul is expecting is this church should be filled with people who are willing to set aside their advantages and to serve others. To not just look out for number one, but to, to serve others. This is the exhortation that he has given us. This is the key to the Carmen Christi. Now, a lot of times the Carmen Christi is put, is examined in isolation, and that's why they are trying, uh, that's when they try to, to, to say that this isn't about a deity of Christ. They don't look in the context. Because Paul, when he launches into the Carmen Christi, he's not changing topics. He's not changing subjects. 
He is giving an example. He's saying, this is the way, this is what I, I am commanding of you, is to, think, to serve others, to, to have the same mind, have the same love, to be unified. To be, he's calling us to be humble and obedient. And then he gives this example in the Carmen Christi. It's a reminder that if we are to be like Christ, we must imitate his humility. Verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind. What mind? The Carmen Christi. What Jesus did. He humbled himself. And this is taught, in fact, it would, be inst- it would be instructive to us to look at this principle taught elsewhere in the New Testament. If you remember the mother of the sons of Zebedee, they came, she came with a request to Jesus for her sons to sit on the right and left hand of Jesus in the kingdom. And, uh, and you... You probably remember that he said, you don't even know what you're asking for. But it's not, it's not up to me who sits on my right and left hand. But then he says this, and this is what, is what we should pay attention to. Verse 26 in Matthew 20, Matthew 20, 26. He says this, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And then in verse 27, whoever would be first among you must be your slave. And then he says in verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, same principle. The same principle. And then I'll remind you in John chapter 13 where, where uh, Jesus gets up. Remember, he gets up to wash the feet of the, his disciples. And, and of course, this job of washing the feet was, was, was a job for the lowliest of slaves. And he gets up and, of course, when he, when he, when he tries to wash Peter's feet, Peter's like, you're not washing my feet. What are you talking about? I need to wash your feet. What do you mean wash my feet? And then, of course, Jesus says, I've got to. And then Peter says, Peter's like, well, then wash my whole body. And you know the story. But I want you to pay attention to verses, John 13, verses 14 and 15. Listen to this principle here in Philippians 2. Uh, comes from this if i then verse 14 your lord and teacher have washed your feet you also ought to have washed one another's feet he says for i have given you an example that you should do also as i have done to you now some some churches they they take this so literally and they literally wash each other's feet that's not it's not the point of the passage. The point of the passage is, is that we should be willing to do the lowliest of things. Something that would humiliate us, humble us, we should be willing to do to our brothers and sisters in Christ because we love them. 
in that day it was it was an important thing they wore their footwear was open and they walked around and their feet got filthy and so they're the lowliest of slave would do it jesus is leaving the example this is what i want you to do this is the attitude i want you to have with one another and then you can turn to first corinthians chapter 10 first Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 32 where he says give no offense to the Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God just as I try to please everyone and everything I do not seeking my own advantage but that of many that they may be saved I'm not seeking my own advantage I do this so that people can't will be saved I act this way so that people will come to Christ and sometimes you have to shut up or or humble yourself or do things that yourself don't you know you doesn't want you to do you got to get out of the way you got to die to self so that people can come to Christ in fact Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11:1 1, be imitators of me And I always, when I first read that, I'm like, wow, that's really bold. But he then says, as I am of Christ. Because if you imitate Paul, you're just imitating Christ. And you've got to look at Paul's life. He imitated Christ. And then in Ephesians 5, 2, we read, Walk in love as Christ loved us. And how did he love us? Well, he gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You get, you get the, you, you know, this is, I just picked a few verses. But you get the principle here that's being repeated over and over in the New Testament. That we are to humble ourselves. And to serve others. That's why we're here. We are not here to live the American dream. We're here to serve others. However that may reflect in our lives. And then one last passage in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. Which is just astonishing. I uh, I preached this message in the jail recently, and I remember when I read this passage here, one of the the, uh, inmates just gasped at what I was reading. And I reminded him, I'm just reading the word of God. This isn't me. But he says this, servants, the word is doulos, meaning slaves, Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Now in that day, the the this is the economy. Uh, To be a slave, uh, some would were were glad to be a slave because if you were a slave, that means you got to eat. You know, this is the slavery of this day is not the same as the slavery in the early American history where they went and stole people. But, uh, and, and, and God isn't necessarily uh, advocating slavery here, but what he is saying, if you're a Christian and you're a slave, I expect you to behave a certain way. Even, even if it's unjust. 
I, I want you to be subject to your masters with all respect, he says, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. This is how you're to behave. Why? Because you're going to humble yourself because that master knows you're a Christian. In verse 19, he says, For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows willing while suffering unjustly. Did you hear that? If you suffer unjustly, mindful of God, because you're a Christian, because this is what God wants, this is a gracious thing to God. And then he says in verse 20, For what credit is it if when you sin you're beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for your for it you endure this is a gracious thing in the sight of God this is good in the sight of God it's gracious this is what he wants to see in us in verse 21 for to this you have been called did you hear that this is what we've been called to as Christians even in America we've been called to this for this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, he says, so that you might follow in his steps. Are we, are we listening? Verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. I think that when we leave this service today, and we should go meditate on these verses, what God is telling us, it's not, it's not cloudy here. It's very clear what he's saying to us. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The shepherd and overseer of your souls. I don't think we better take this lightly. Throughout the New Testament, we see this principle. So, so we see in verse 5, he says, back in Philippians 2, Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell you, if you miss this, you're missing Christianity. If you, if you think this is not that big of a deal, you, are, you do not understand Christianity. This is a big deal. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And listen to the example that he gives, Jesus' example, verse 6. So he, this is continuing. This is not changing the subject. He has, just, he has just written verses 1 through 5. And now in verse 6, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. The NIV says, Who being the very nature of God, 
The Phillips Modern English says, For he who had always been God by nature says this. And that fits the context of the Bible. I mean, uh, in Matthew one twenty three, when when they were told to, they were gonna what what they were gonna call the baby Jesus, they it said you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what God with us. Even in John one one, he's called God. We could go throughout the New Testament and see that clearly. Jesus is deity. As a matter of fact, uh, the, this, this sermon that I'm preaching to you is basically pulled from a chapter of a book called The Forgotten Trinity. A chapter uh, that, uh, and you could, you could read that book and just see the plethora of evidence in the New Testament that Jesus is God. In fact, in John 17, 5, in John 17, 5, when Jesus prayed, he said this. Let's listen to his prayer. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus didn't just come into being when he was born in a manger. Jesus has always existed distinct from the Father. And he had the glory of God. And God does not share his glory according to the book of Isaiah. So being in the form of... So, he's, so verse 6, he says, Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And then he says in verse 7, But emptied himself. This is what he did. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. So he clothed his glory, glory and lived among us as one of us. The only exception to clothing his glory is that, is that Mount of Transfiguration uh, where uh, a chosen few saw his, his true glory. And I think back to Isaiah 53, 2, where it said, For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground, for he had no form or majesty that we should look upon him, no beauty that we should desire him. He just looked like an ordinary person. But he emptied himself. Listen to this. This is the example. Paul's saying, okay, Paul gives you verses 1 through 5 and says, now here's, here's what this verses 1 through 5, here's what it would look like. And he gives Jesus' example. He's, even though he's God, he's, he has the glory, he's in heaven, he, 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 he deserves all glory and all praise and all honor, but he does something, he empties himself. And he takes on the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. This is what he did. And in verse 8 it says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now I want you to get this. 
the God that created the universe, the universe that is beyond our imagination, absolutely beyond our imagination, can even imagine, we can't even imagine outside our solar system hardly how big that is. There is a universe that's incomprehensible to us. This God, who, who holds Orion's belt in place. Do you ever go outside? Uh, every time I go outside and it's a clear night, I look up and I see Orion's, those three stars, Orion's belt. When, I was, when my kids were younger, every time we'd go out and I'd see them, I'd say, look, 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 look at God's faithfulness. They're still there, just right where they're supposed to be. The God that made the sun, that burning ball of whatever, hydrogen and gas that sits 93 million miles off the coast of Jacksonville. That sun, this is the God. He created that. The God who holds the exact, the earth in the exact tilt so that it sustains life. Do you understand just how fragile we are? If the earth went this way for just a little bit, life is gone. Or that way, life is gone. But it doesn't. It stays right where it is. And on the earth, there are men that blaspheme his name every day. What a gracious God he is. The God that created DNA. Language, code, instructions to tell every living thing how to grow. What to grow where. And not just simple things. Eyeballs and hearts, and immune systems. And we, we pretend like there's no evidence for God. you got to be kidding. The God that created puppies and kittens, and flowers, and trees. The God that created lightning. You ever been struck, had lightning strike near you? That'll wake you up, won't it? The God that created the sunset. And the sunrise, the God that created the oceans, the God that created the majestic mountains. I grew up in Mississippi, and when I, when I graduated, I joined the military and spent four years in the South. And when I got out of the military, I moved to Colorado Springs, where my brother lived. And I'm, I flew in at night into Denver, and we drove to Colorado Springs, which is about 60 miles south. And it was at night, so I couldn't see anything. And when I woke up the next morning, he, he grabbed me, and he opened his front door, and he pushed me out. And there, in all its glory, was Pike's Peak. I'm going to tell you, I, and I'm telling you, I literally gasped. It was so breathtaking. That's this God. It's this God who clothed his glory, who emptied himself, who humbled himself and became in the, for, uh, came in, the, uh, in the likeness of men, who allowed men to associate him with the devil. Saying he does the works of Beelzebub. Who allowed men to attempt to kill him over and over and over. This God who allowed man, a man to scourge him with a cat of nine tails. Who allowed men to nail him to a cross. 
who allowed others to walk by while he was on that cross and mock him. It's this God who died on the cross to pay a sin debt that he did not owe. Now, my friend, if that's not humility, I don't know what is. And if context means anything at all, that's what this passage is teaching. The God of the universe humbled himself, emptied himself for us. And we ought to do the same for others. So when those that deny the deity of Christ, like in those translations we read, he he wasn't God, but he humbled himself by not trying to become God. That's what they're trying to say. It's absurd when you read this. It doesn't make sense. As James White says, it's it's like a janitor of the White House humbling himself and not trying to become the president. Of course you're not trying to become the president. You haven't done the things that you do to try to become president doesn't take any humility at all. There's the example, though. That's what we're called to. And, and we, I'm going to tell you, if, if we miss this, if we, if, if we don't pay attention to what he's saying here, then we're missing Christianity. But... If that's not enough, by the way, for the Jehovah Witnesses who deny the deity of Christ, then we have verses 9 through 11. So we have the context of verses 1 through 5, or 1 through 4, and then we look at the verses of 9 through 11. And here's what it says. Verses 9, therefore, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him, who are we talking about, Jesus, the name that is above every name. And now, and listen at verses 10 and 11. I want you to pay attention to body parts. Pay attention to body parts. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So you see in verse 10, we see that every knee shall bow. And in verse 11, every tongue will confess. Now turn with me to the book of Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. And I'll begin to read in verse 18. We're really going to focus down below, but I want you to see who's, who's speaking here, so it's very important. Verse 45, in uh, verse 18 says, For thus saith, and, and my translation says the Lord, but that's the Tetragrammaton, which is the Hebrew uh, Tetragrammaton, which means it's the name of God, Yahweh. For thus saith Yahweh, who created the heavens, he is God, who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. 
I am Yahweh and there is no other. That, um, that's a verse that Mormons need to pay attention to. There's only one God. There is no other. I did not speak in secret in the land of darkness. Did, I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, Jacob, seek me in vain. I, Yahweh, speak the truth. I declare what is right, he says, verse 20. Assemble yourselves and come and draw near together, you survivors of the nations. Those have, they have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idols and keep on praying to a God that cannot save. Declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told you this long ago? Who declared it of, it of old? Was it not I, Yahweh? And there is no other God beside me, a righteous God and Savior. There is none beside me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. And then he says this in verse 23. Pay attention to body parts. Verse 23. For myself I have sworn. Who's sworn? Yahweh, right? For myself I have sworn. From my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that should not return. To me, who? To who? Yahweh. To me every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall swear allegiance. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because that's what Paul, Paul's attributing a verse in Isaiah 45, 23 to Jesus. What does this tell us? Well, if to every knee will bow to Yahweh and every tongue will confess allegiance to Yahweh, then Jesus is Yahweh. So the Carmen Christi is sandwiched in the deity of Christ. There's no doubt. But I think that what we need to remember, and we need to never forget, is the first context. What's Paul calling? Why did he give the Carmen Christi? Because he is commanding that brothers and sisters in Christ have the same mind, have the mind that's in Christ Je- that's theirs in Christ Jesus. And it's, it's a big deal. It's not something we should not walk out of this building and ignore this. In fact, let me leave you with two verses, one from the Old Testament, one from the New, and we'll be dismissed. The first one from the New Testament, Luke 14, 11. Luke 14, 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let me just read that again. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. And then in the Old Testament, in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 12, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 12, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, puffed up, right? Conceited. It's all about me. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, 
But humility comes before honor. Amen? Amen. Lord, I want to thank you, Father, for this privilege. Uh, for bringing this lesson. And I pray, Lord, I pray, Lord, that, oh, I reflect the example of Jesus in my life. And I pray this for every person in this room. Pray, Lord, that we will love each other the way Jesus loved us. Put this in our heart. Enlarge our hearts, Lord. Sanctify us, Lord, in the truth. Your word is truth. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this message was clearly for brothers and sisters in Christ, people that are in Christ. But I would exhort you that if you're not in Christ, this doesn't apply to you. You need to, to examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. And if you're not, the Bible's very clear. We must repent turn from our sins it's a mental thing it is a calling sin what God calls sin no exceptions and turn from that sin and not trust in our own righteousness but trust in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and the Bible says if we'll repent and have faith in Jesus that God will save our soul and he'll, he'll pour out his spirit in you he'll pour out his spirit and, and the spirit will produce fruit. And then we should see what we just looked at today in our lives, if that happens. So I exhort you, if you're not in Christ, if you haven't repented of your sin, if you just come to church and that's it, I exhort you to get on your knees before a holy God, the God that justifies the ungodly, and cry out for mercy. <clears throat> 